Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Gus, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Nate and Alvaro. Tonight, you'll be staying in Room 127, Men, the newest film by visionary director Alex Garland. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we dive headfirst into a world of toxic masculinity with men. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why? I didn't drive him to it. I think it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? What's going on to all my victims of the patriarchy out there? Thanks for checking back in the Grand Cinema Hotel. As always, if you're listening on YouTube, as Gus always says, click all the buttons, leave a comment, say what's up. Um, if you listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast app, Pocket Cast, whatever the hell else is out there, subscribe for notifications so you get notified when we drop a new video, um, which takes us into the topic of the week. Are we even allowed to be talking about this film? I don't know. It wasn't made for us, but it is Men, <laughs> Alex Garland's uh, new feature film, which takes us to Alex Garland himself. I don't think we've ever really brought him up on the podcast before, so you want to dive into uh, how you feel about him as a director? Uh, yeah. I, what's up, guys? Gus here. Um, Alex Garland is probably one of the more intriguing directors working today. Um, it's kind of weird that we haven't brought him I up know. because I feel like we like him a lot. So he's just never really been on the brain while we're recording, you know. But mm-hmm. I know we really like Ex Machina and Annihilation. So for us to not have talked about him yet or even brought him up when we're talking about, like, favorite directors... It's kind of crazy that it's just like slipped right past us, but yeah, he makes some of my favorite movies. I rewatched Annihilation in preparation for Men, and I I think that's just like a really fucking great movie. Like, I think this was my third time seeing it, and for me now, it's probably one of my favorite movies. But what about you, bro? I know you like Alex Garland a lot too. Yeah, I mean Alex Garland, obviously first watched Ex, Ex Machina. I think that would, I think I watched that in the theater. Uh, that's my favorite one from him still, and I think just the sci-fi biased, which um, he quickly became like we went to go watch Annihilation because of like how much I liked him for Next Machina, and so I've been there. I feel like for the three that he's released recently, and I think that's why I feel like a bias to like how much I like him or everything. And I know he like has written a lot of stuff. Like now, looking in retrospect, that I liked, and I know you two Nate like you like Twenty Eight Days Later, mm-hmm. like he wrote that. And so th- I just think there's something about the type of director, the stuff that he likes to highlight and the themes that he tackles. I like the way that he does them. It's, it kind of actually reminds me of Yorgos a little bit too, which I, I, we haven't really brought up as much either, but they're kind of in the same kind of way that they kind of grab a simple premise and then bring it to places that I think only their mind can really spawn. Yeah, I definitely think that, and that's a good example of Yorgos Lanthimos, but um I think Yorgos Lanthimos and Alex Garland are two directors working today who lean into the weirdness of the movie, and I feel like they're also not scared of being pretentious, and they are very, I feel like they're very Mm heavy-handed filmmakers, Yeah, they are, and they lean into the subject matter instead of trying to maybe work around it or have it be an afterthought, or maybe just set pieces and stuff like that. Like, they really, really do go into the... This is going to be fucked up, and I'm probably going to leave you with more questions than answers, and it's on you to 
really participate and figure out what this movie is meant to be. And right. I feel that way for all three of them. Um, I don't know which one. I, th- I mean, I think I like Annihilation the most of the three. And all three of them have the same kind of ambiguous ending where you walk out with that, like, okay, there should be just a little bit more because I, I feel like you just, like cliffhangered me almost mm-hmm. like almost all of his movies feel like a cliffhanger and I, I just think that's really interesting that he has really like stuck to his guns about <laughs> how he, how he wants to make movies yeah i agree I, I really like garland um i think that i saw i saw ex machina not in theaters and then after I didn't either no i yeah. saw it i was just i didn't even really know about it um and then saw it and was just fell in love with that movie and then I had read Annihilation, and then once I saw that he was doing it, I was like, well, of course I'm going to go see this in theaters. And that was, I think I agree with you guys. I think that's my favorite of his. Um, but, yeah, no, he really is just such a, he's very ambitious, I feel like, in the way yeah. that he tells stories. Not necessarily in, like, I mean, because like you said, Ro, a lot of his, like, subject matter is very, like, straightforward. And, like, he is a little heavy-handed, but the fact that, the way that he really likes to break down his stories and he's a very show don't tell type of director, mm-hmm. which I, which I really enjoy. Um, but no, this is, this movie was, uh, this movie's a lot of fun. He also has that TV show he's been doing before this movie, which I'm not Devs. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched some of it last night, um, right before I fell asleep just because I wanted to have Get some an more. idea. Yeah. And well, do you have anything to say about that? No, 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 I was, was going to ask if you, any, either of you have seen, seen it. it. Yeah. yeah or, like I checked mean, it out. It's also, and this is something, uh, this plays a huge role in Alex Garland's work, at least the stuff that he's directed. But Devs is also told through the perspective of a woman. And, I mean, Alex Garland sure has a lot to say about women in mm-hmm. his movies. You he know does. what I mean? Yeah. And he treats, the, uh, he treats it in a very, like, complex, layered manner. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like it's pandering. But he... Like this is a this is a deep question for him probably like so what are your feelings on women because I mean he just has a lot to say mm-hmm. about them in general I want <laughs> all of his work who hurt him like you know what I mean? who hurt <laughs> who this hurt, man yeah or who changed his life or <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened to him but like with Alf- like we talked about off pod one time like Alfred Hitchcock and the idea of like being the wrong person right like being framed yeah but like with or like Jordan Peele right it's kind of like what incident happened to you that sparked all of these oh, crazy yeah. ass ideas exactly. in your head right and like with alex garland it's like i i think that is also just like a little nugget that is stuck in his mind that is always going to be part of his work and i think he ha- probably has some of the strongest like female characters in film as of recent yeah because there's a lot going on with them, and, and it doesn't feel like pandering either. No, it doesn't. In one of his interviews, he was saying that before it was hard for him to kind of get that mass appeal from, I, I guess you would say, like Hollywood or whatever. Because people in the beginning were always like, your movies are kind of how you said they're missing that extra, like, give me the answer. And then he's like, but at this point in my career, people know, like, if you like me. This is what you're getting from me. And he's like, now it's different. Like, now people who give me the, because they're kind of talking about, like, did A24 have any creative control or anybody that was, you know, producing this? And he was like, no, nobody ever really lets, like, tells me what to do anymore. Like, A24 signs up and they're 100% supportive of whatever I want to do. And I think at this point, like, 
that's why I like his movies so much. I know what I'm getting out of it. I know I'm not getting a straight answer, but then I think about them. Like I haven't stopped thinking about men since I saw men and all of the movies we've watched in prep, like trying to figure out like, what did that movie mean to me? And I watched it again and he just kind of confirmed some of the stuff, you know, but I just think it's so each, all three of us could have a different depiction of what the movie actually means. And I think that's his end game goal, which makes him ambitious. And I like it. And some people obviously think it's, uh, one note or flat footed but it works for me yeah i mean so i watched uh, like i said annihilation last night in preparation for the pod and i couldn't help but notice now that i have seen men like the similarities between these two movies and specifically the main characters mm-hmm. and i kind of want to get into the book a little bit since you have read it mm-hmm. that's probably really helpful for us um natalie portman's character in annihilation and jesse buckley's character in men are both characters who are dealing with, like, guilt and, like, the result of, like, living with that guilt, right? And there's just, there's these through lines and even the way that both movies are shot, right? So, like, we get flashback scenes in both movies. And I just think what whatever he was doing when he made Ex Machina is not the same headspace that I think he was Mm -hmm. in when he wrote Annihilation and Men. Like, I feel like those two are so much more similar than Ex Machina would be. I would agree. Yeah, like, maybe yeah. Ex Machina feels like it was in a different phase of his life. But men in Annihilation are almost, like, dealing with the same issues, but in totally different fashions. Ex Machina seems more paired up with, like, Dread. Yeah, or or Devs, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, I just feel like... And I know that you... You've seen that he's been writing this for like 15 years, mm-hmm. right? Which I also think is interesting. Yeah. Like early woke king. Huh? I know. We've been going at it since. Yeah. <laughs> His creative process is it's usually like that. A lot of the movies he's written, he started like first drafts of them years ago. And then he's like, but the different that I, the more that I grow, the more that I mature, the more this stuff happens to me. I go back to these stories. He's like, I have a lot in the draft board or whatever you call it. He's like, and I, I never throw them away. Cause he's like, there's something in this, in this story that I first wrote that I want to get themes across. And he's like, the more I learn, the more I grow, I'm like, Oh, I think this is the best way to execute this. Or the more that I'm experienced at the, it's different, like other media. He's like, I oh, this is this is the way to finally do this. And I think it's interesting because he was saying like the first draft for men was really, really different from what it is now. But now it just comes from exp- maybe like, you know, after writing Annihilation or reading the book Annihilation, he's like, maybe this is how I should write female characters, you know? So with the book, Nate, mm-hmm. I've heard that it's quite different than the movie. And Alex Garland was a writer before, right? Mm-hmm. So he worked with Danny Boyle mostly, mm-hmm. like doing Sunshine and 28 Days yeah. Later and stuff like that. And when he was the writer, he had to live with people changing his stories, right? But then he did that with Annihilation to another author. So for better or worse, how do you think Um, compared? Compared to Vanderbeek's book, I honestly, I think I like the movie more, which is something that I honestly feel like doesn't happen a lot with me. Um, But I think the changes that he made, which a lot of the changes come towards the end of the movie, um, I actually think that it works really well, especially for cinema and everything. So I like his ending more than um, Vanderbeek's ending. But so f- I think a, a good comparison would be um, I, like I've seen World War Z, but I never read the book, mm-hmm. and I heard that it changes a lot as well, and that it's because the book and the and Annihilation, like as books, they're almost like unfilmable. Like they're exactly just, the the way that they're written can only be done like in the book mm-hmm. format like it doesn't translate to movies the same way do you feel like that about the 
Annihilation book. No, yeah, I would think so. Because a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is going on in her head, like her headspace and what's happening. And I feel like it's really hard to portray that in a movie like Annihilation in the way that it's done in the book. So the visual representation of everything, I think, works. Yeah, I think so. For sure. Um, do you guys want to start talking about the movie? Yeah, bit? let's do it. Do you want to start with the cast or do you want to start with the... Oh, you know what? We were going to talk about our audience. Oh, yeah. Our audiences because we all saw this separately mm. and we all had different experiences. Uh, do you want to go first, Nate? Yeah, my, my theater was actually pretty full. I was surprised. Um, I would say it was probably like 70, 80% full. There's a lot of people in there. Um, and it seemed like everybody... like It was very quiet, the whole movie. Like There wasn't a whole lot of reactions to things until I won't give anything away, but the ending, there was a probably a group of like maybe six seven eight people that got up and left and didn't come back throughout the final 20 minutes so i don't know is that is that a rare occasion for you to see a walkout i mean i think we see it every now and again but to see that many people from different groups like independent you know people like get up and leave it surprised me i think it's the most amount of people i've ever seen leave a theater i mean this movie's pretty perverse it is end, i mean know? yeah and I, there's no way like there's no way going into it you could have seen what happened no. coming <laughs> so i don't know you're kind of at the mercy of the movie at that point but also like you're signing up for an alex garland movie you know so i Even don't know as an alex garland movie this is pretty out it's there. it's out there yeah. i mean i just like i personally know like his endings are always over the top so yeah. like i was expecting like a big ending but uh, not that big I, well ex machina and annihilations endings they're ambiguous and they leave you with like that cliffhanger feeling mm -hmm. but he has not done an ending like this not quite yet. no so even for the alex garland standard this is pretty over the no because i would say even building up like from ex machina like annihilations ending it was a little more crazy and then this one is just even more it blew the fucking roof off i would honestly. say like ex machina and annihilation it's um if you thoroughly dissect the films, there's horror themes in them. Yeah. But in this one, he took it there. I feel like he completely was like, let me take it there. Which I, I from the trailer, I slightly expected, but not where it went. It definitely took me to surprise, like, how, I guess, yeah, bloody it got. Even Cronenberg <laughs> was probably like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it's pretty nasty, So bro. I also had a theater that was about 70 to 80% mm -hmm. full. I had the... The f like the cinephile experience with the Nicole Kidman trailer <laughs> yeah. in the beginning, I had a round of applause that lasted all the way through the A24. Are logo you kidding me? Up. Yeah, like they clapped <laughs> for like a minute or, and oh a half. Um, and then Cinefile. when the A24 logo popped up on the screen, a couple of dudes literally went, "Yeah, A24." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's go into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go for sure. Um, and I had a very reactive audience, like yeah. a whole lot of like what the fuck mm -hmm. and like one guy at the end literally went dumb <laughs> you know what I mean so I had a very active audience which is always great for a horror movie and I think now with like now that we've seen X and then I think when we saw everything everywhere all at once like I think this year specifically A24 is having a good year of fans showing up mm -hmm. like the people who know what they're getting into because as of this recent string of A24 movies that we've seen, everybody, all the audiences feel like they're in on it. Yeah. So that has made it a really fun experience. I think so, too. Even when we saw Red Rocket in December, we were like four or five other people in there besides mm -hmm. us, right? Correct. It's good to see people at the movies. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know why, but maybe people are just excited again. And, I mean... A24 has had a pretty banger slate this year, so mm -hmm. it was just nice year. to see a, a full audience enjoying it and, you know, understanding what they're here for. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, yeah, when I went on Thursday, 
there wasn't many people there. I think there was um, four other guys there. Um, oh great! Yeah, and it was only guys <laughs> that I thought was interesting. Um, so the first watch, I really felt like I got to almost like a little private watching, you know. Um, Just but you the, and your four other personalities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then um, the second time that I watched it last night to prep again, um, it was more full, which I thought was cool because I had never really seen more people ramp up from previews on Thursday. Actually, for mm-hmm. like a, for at least for a twenty four movies, for all the indie ones, usually it seemed like for me everybody showed up early and then nobody showed up for the rest of the weeks that it was showing. But it does seem like some people saw this movie and they brought people to like come watch this movie again because it was more full than I expected. And um, I did have like three people walk out, um, a couple of people audibly just kind of saying like, Ugh, you know, at certain parts. Oh, they're not wrong. <laughs> um, but every in both showings, I do feel like people either loved it or hated it, which I think is the consensus people have been landing on in general. <laughs> For the movie, yeah, not like the consensus on life—you either love everything or hate everything. <laughs> and yeah, like like this movie, some people either think it's like the dumbest fucking movie of the year, and there are other people really just—I think they were strapped in knowing what Alex Garland gives us and just kind of enjoyed it. And yeah, my audience kind of felt very mixed yeah. reaction like that. I feel like that's how this movie. This movie does seem to be pretty polarizing. Um, I don't know if it has to do. You think it has to do with the subject matter? Or you think it has to do with the way that the film's laid out? I think it has to do with the subject matter, and I think it's almost like this movie is like a litmus test for people. It's like you can tell what kind of people are in your audience <laughs> yeah, by exactly. how they react. Exactly. To the movie. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I, I could see pacing being a thing for some, like, the average moviegoer, probably. Like, right. it is a little slow, but, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of what I expected going into it, so. I'm glad we're talking about the pacing, because w- I was going to save this for later, but we're already here. So, with the pacing, I thought that it was slow in the beginning, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. No, like no. A, like, a comforting way of, like, lulling you in. Exactly. Well, it's a sleepy, like, dreamy country town. Like, yeah. it makes sense. Right. But once it ramps up, it's it never stops, and then you don't even realize that you're here before. In well, the like, nitrous is engaged. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, if I you're expecting like 15 more minutes of just like horror bullshit. You know, no offense, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? Just the horror stuff of the 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 uh, like the ominous stuff building up or yeah. like a couple more shadow shots, you know, stuff like that. But with Alex Garland, it's like, before you know it, you're there and it's like, okay, fuck strap in. Because like, no, this, gonna- this is happening right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's like a reverse launch of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, no, like, really honestly, is. that's what the movie that's felt a good like. Point. Like in the last 15 to 30 minutes, it just took off on you, you know, mm-hmm. no breaks after that. It's, point. Yeah, that's funny. That's what I really liked about the movie. Which I like you brought that up that um, I, I tend to like slower films. And some some of those like uh, Eastern European films are really, really slow. <laughs> and watching and like I mean, watching um, this, like I got that same type of like that's the vibe that he was going for to build in the beginning with the character of Jesse. Mm-hmm. So we could literally resonate with her and also know that she escaped to this nice green pasture of a place to relax which is a very relaxing place it's supposedly a very safe place Mm -hmm. straight up um and i did really feel that with the pacing and then once once it starts it really really just keeps it doesn't stop and i think that's why i really liked it i liked the delivery a lot towards the end and it it ended up being like you know we usually talk about the payoff being worth it it was like super worth it i was like oh my god (laughs) i could have never yeah Yeah, exactly like Like santa you shouldn't have (laughs) like it was like it was a little slow but then it not only paid me back with it being really like just in my face but it's like it took it somewhere i didn't think it was gonna go and i was like okay 
Yes, like I fuck with this. Yeah, he did. You yeah. shouldn't have. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to? Well, the cast is very small. It's a very so, tiny cast, and we can't talk about the movie without talking about it's the true. cast because they're in basically ninety-five percent of the shots, mm-hmm. right? So it's Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear, and I have become a Jesse Buckley stan with mm-hmm. her last three movies. She's been killing it um, with Men, with The Lost Daughter. And I didn't like I'm Thinking of Ending Things, but I thought that she gave the standout phenomenal performance. So, like, those are the only three things that I know off the top of my head I've seen her in. But she's become she's quickly become one of my favorites. And I think she chooses very interesting roles and complicated roles as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to see her as this, like, in, like a, as a, a classical uh, comparison. Like, it's not like Audrey Hepburn where it's like, okay, she's going to portray a star in a certain way. Like she gets in the nitty gritty, like she gets down in the mud Mm -hmm. making movies, you know? And I just think that's an awesome thing to have nowadays. Like someone like Jesse book, she plays characters who feel very lived in, which is nice. They all feel real. Yeah, no, they really do. Like actual people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm, that's a simple compliment, but I feel like it's one of the best ones you could give an actor. That's the whole point, right? So believable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She does such a great job of embodying them. You know, they just really feel like it's just versions of her. Not really. Um, and then we have Rory Kinnear. Are you guys familiar with him? I honestly don't know. Have you watched the Daniel Craig Bond films? Yes. He is in those, which is like, I had to look it up because I've seen some Mm -hmm. of them, but he plays like an MI6, like coordinator, like like a behind the scenes guy wearing a suit. He's in the office or something and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, unless I'm completely wrong about that, but that's how I remember him. I don't. He's in four of them of those, so um, that is his biggest movies. Yeah, I don't recognize him, but I think he did an incredible job in this movie. I don't think you movie. recognize him after the movie. Exactly. Either, right? like, like, what does he actually That's what like? I want to see. Like, <laughs> that's what I wanted to say is just like, I mean, this man played, what, six, seven different roles in this, this movie? This man played, man. about eight. Yeah, about and eight. absolutely incredible. And they all were distinct, you know? It's even some of them with the small parts. Like, it's it was a very impressive performance by him, I think. I mean, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy walked so he could fly. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Professor and Austin Powers. And now we have the good stuff like men. (laughs) He was watching Medea. The guy from Split, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler Men is actually a meditation piece on Medea. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't take that away from the film? (laughs) You said it was open-ended, Alex Garland. That's what I took away from it. Well, I didn't watch the film. I sat my ass down and listened. (laughs) Uh, You know, it would have been interesting to invite a woman to be on the podcast, and this is where they would be sitting if we knew it. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been the episode to do it. I think that's the the divisiveness that I have seen with the film, that it does seem to some women that have seen it that it's a man mansplaining what women feel about men. And I w- I'm not in the position to know if that's how a movie could fall on somebody's opinion. Like, this is just a guy's opinion on what he thinks it's like to be a girl. Which, But I just think personally that it's... Alex Garland is trying to be respectful of. I don't think he's trying to mansplain it. I think, just think he's trying to, from his outlook, trying to show other guys something, or at least try to teach us something. Which you know, some people, people need like, reminders. Yeah, yeah. I, some people need mm-hmm. remind. I think some people need reminders. We talked about it for everything, everywhere, all at once. Some people are kind of like, I get it, but you know, some people need to be beat over the head with you should be kind and then they kind of think about well it. shoot like, oh, man with the should. movie this heavy-handed if you don't get it like what he's trying to say on a very surface level uh, like a very surface level idea 
It's like you are totally missing the movie, right? You might be sick. You might be part yeah. of the problem. I think you're yeah, sick. <laughs> because some of the stuff in this movie is very obvious. It is, and yeah. And some of it is not. I know. Like, I think that there's – it's very complex, but on – I think it's got – I think it's got the best of both worlds. Like, yeah. The simple, yeah. like, uh, s- small level is just like, okay, this is like a feminist movie about how men suck, right? And it's like, okay, I, I agree for the most mm-hmm. part. For the most part. But then on the deeper levels, like, I, I can't even pretend that I have a PhD in this kind of stuff. And now I totally understand what he was trying to say with all, like, the religious and the mythological mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. But. It's interesting to talk about. It's that's very interesting. Sure. Yeah. That's the, that's the thought that I had when I was driving home from the theater is I was just like, how do you have a movie that is so subtle in a lot of its aspects? And then also one of the most ha- heavy handed movies I've seen in a while. Yeah. And it totally meshes and works. Like it's, it's pretty impressive to me. So do you guys want to talk about the movie? Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, talk about sure. it. Um, no spoilers yet. Listen to us mansplain yeah. you this movie. <laughs> Listen up, ladies. <laughs> Let me tell you what this film was about <laughs> and why you feel this no, way. I do feel weird doing that, right? Right. Like, that's why it's like, am I allowed to be an expert that, on this that's movie? What I'm saying, like, can we talk about this or, or is this part of the problem? <laughs> yeah. But, well, one last thing with my audience actually is that I felt like a lot of dudes kept, because like it was a lot of dudes and they were laughing at the moments that were like terrifying for Jesse Buckley. Yeah. And then it, for me, it was like, this is what Alex Garland means about like us participating in it. Uh, it being a litmus test. It's like the dudes who are laughing when a woman is being chased by a man wearing no clothes. Like, I don't She's think terrorized. you're supposed to be laughing. It's at not that funny. Point. You know what yeah, I mean? That's not it's funny, like, dude. Literally, if that was you, I guarantee you, you wouldn't be laughing. That's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how. I, yeah, yeah maybe that's how it resonates with me a little different. There are parts in this movie where I was like, "This is like, this is really making me sad because I'm really uncomfortable for her." You know, like I, I've never been put in a situation like this. Or there was there's actually one situation in the whole movie that I have been kind of put in, but everything else, I'm kind of like I couldn't imagine being put in. Being having to be put guilt on you that you definitely aren't warranted, you know? Yeah, I mean, I saw this with my wife, and I actually asked her if she wanted to talk about it a little bit, but she's very pregnant and very tired right now. So, <laughs> you know me, the parasitic man who put a baby in her. <laughs> now she's too tired. <laughs> See what you've done. But she really, really enjoyed the movie, and then she said, like, right off the bat when we walked out of the theater, she's like, hmm, they made a movie about everything girls are scared about. Mm-hmm. Like, Because, <laughs> like, my girlfriend saw it, too, and she said her immediate, like, thoughts it were men are fucking vile and i was like damn so and she really enjoyed it too so one of my wife's big fears and i don't know if it's because i'm a man i think it's irrational is that like that someone is just gonna bust through the door one day <laughs> like and try take to her kidnap yeah <laughs> and like, as a guy i never think about that mm-hmm. you know i mean i'm not happy when anybody knocks on the door but i'm not scared either yeah you know what i mean right. but it just shows that different worldview that men and women have. It really is crazy. will never really understand even as hard as they try to. Because even when, like, just, like, personal, like, little little story time. But, like, anytime, like, we're walking, like, when I'm with my girlfriend, we're walking from, like, her parking garage to her apartment at night. She always says, like, I'm so happy that you're here because this is one of the most, like, terrifying things that I have to do. And in my head, it's like, I can't wrap my head around that. Like, just walking from one place to the other at night, like... It's just a different world. It really is. Like every time I walk to my car, I don't think this might be like, oh, somebody's just waiting to get at me, you know? And and I think Alex Garland is, has had maybe relationships that he's been exposed to the same type of stuff that you've been and been with. The both of you have, like they're talking about that where women have shared that with them. And he's kind of like, well, having a, a 
film like this that is open ended is almost like commenting on that because I I will I won't be able to ever understand as a man it, you won't be able to understand which is why almost the movie plays on that and stays open ended. Um, in an interview I was listening to, uh, he made what like you know f- f- when people are so creative and this is the only comparison they can come up with he was comparing it to making a movie about the holocaust right yeah yeah <laughs> because you know that's always the only comparison that anybody can ever come up with for things <laughs> he was saying that uh you know as a man making this movie it did feel kind of weird but just like he you know i'm not jewish but i should be allowed to make a movie about the holocaust because i have my own world views and opinions and how i think things should be or shouldn't be and just because i'm not the subject matter of the movie doesn't mean that I can't make a movie about it, but at the same time, you should you should try to be thoughtful about the subject matter if it's not something you have been through or understand. Yeah, correct. So that it was a lot of reaching out to people and trying to get more into the headspace of like what it's like to be a woman going through this, well, going through life. I was mm-hmm. gonna say this kind of stuff, but, but this honestly, is just going life, through yeah. life through a woman's point of view. And I mean. It's hard to say he nailed it, but that's I think like, he got pretty Because that's, what, close, I, like, that's right? what I'm saying. Is realistic. Like, I don't know if I'm the person to sign off on it, but like from my point of view, it seems like he did, a go- he did a good <laughs> job. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but he did. He, like the movie was very, I felt like you empathetic know, <laughs> and like sympathetic <laughs> towards, you know, women. <laughs> you really so. nailed it, dog. <laughs> 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 that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if I'm the person to comment just bouncing off yeah. what you're saying, but I, I did think the movie did a very good job on sending that message but then you do have like Gus is saying some audience member dumb be like but then I'm like that the message what why is it dumb that you think the message was beat up too much over your head or it really flew over your head and you just kind of think oh I thought this was a horror movie and like that was dumb like how are they all the same guy but you don't get what the <laughs> message is like that yeah. doesn't, like, doesn't ring any bells so I mean it's gonna be divisive but I do think this movie later like 20 years later is going to be one of those cult movies that people yeah, really really think movie. i yeah. feel i feel like it's important and mm-hmm. i mean i don't i think it's all it's not necessarily a bummer but it probably is a lot like less accessible to everybody like everything everywhere all at once is but like this is an important movie i feel like yeah I, and a24 is treating it that way as well because i sir i heard i served I heard that they were flying critics and influencers, like movie influencers, and, you know, I didn't get an invite. But, <laughs> so they obviously uh, weren't yeah. doing all, you know what I mean? <laughs> Weird, because you have my address, and you've seen my Instagram stories, so I don't know, maybe it got lost in the mail, maybe, maybe. I didn't check my emails enough, but that they were flying people out to New York, and they were also doing um, a premiere in L.A., like the Alamo Draft House in both coasts. And that they were treating this movie like it was a big deal because the last time they had did done this was for Midsummer. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're fully behind this movie, like pushing it in later on down the year when you know the awards come around, yeah. which I really doubt they'll ever touch something like this. Yeah, right? but it'd be fucking rad if they did. Maybe because, sound design. I yeah, mean, Rory <laughs> Kinnear gives an amazing performance, and I think Jesse Buckley is like. Olivia Coleman, where it's like she's in something. Okay, mark it down for an Oscar yeah. nomination. But it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I don't think the money is going to show no. the success, but the staying power that this movie has, I think, is going to is really going to stick around with people who saw it. So I think so too. I think like w- what Rose said, like in twenty years, it's probably going to be an important movie mm-hmm. if we're still watching movies. I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be an important too. piece of content in 20 years. Which is what's interesting because, uh, um, you know, he started writing it 15 years ago. So for it to have resonance maybe in 20 years from now to have basically it could relate in a 40 year type of span just really says that kind of what the movie comments about like there is this root of it always being these themes found between men and women it's like prime it's a primal like primal, primordial yes. thing that's what i was like gonna say yeah tied to nature because unfortunately since forever men have been shitty to women yeah <laughs> i think that's what the movie does a really good job uh Themes and ideas. Should we start there? Yeah, let's start there. And then we can get into the movie movie. I did want to, I guess, I had learned something. He didn't really break it down too much, but he said that his color palette for the whole movie was to use green and red. Yeah. He didn't really explain why, like, which both the colors, but... Well, they're opposite of each other on the color wheel, so it might just be something as simple as that. Which is like, that's probably something that is overthought, but it could be as simple as that. I mean, he didn't give a for sure answer. Because I did take it as in, like, obviously the green is how lush everything is. It's tied in with the nature. But, I mean, red, there's there's just too much open interpretations with the color red is, you know. And I'm, I'm just was more curious as to why he chose red. Green makes you a know, little bit sense. red feels very masculine and aggressive and bold, but it's used for Jesse Buckley's character. But And then the green is kind of used... Which is funny because this movie also reminds me of the Green Knight, yes. right? And like the representation of the color green, yeah. like is it nature or is it rot? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And the whole idea of like nature being kind of evil because it doesn't have like a a will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think I'm losing. <laughs> this. But it makes sense in my head. You know, I where it's like nature yeah. doesn't give a fuck. I think that's what I'm trying to say. No, but I mean, I I, I tied. I, I was going to bring that a point up because last year they have that tie in together. The Green Knight, the Green Man, is a uh, ancient person that's been talked about in many many cultures and it's lore, bro. It, mm. it is. It is lore. I mean, in a, in a Q and A after the movie, Alex Garland said he's been trying to write both of these characters into a movie for for 15 years, which because he's been really enamored with what does the green man represent and the woman character which is called like Sheila Nagig yep. and she's even more like open ended like people don't really know what she means and he's been obsessed kind of with that and I mean the, the green man is kind of known as a rebirth type of like you know a new beginning which makes sense mm -hmm. and we saw that in the green knight and I think that's what's, what really stuck with me with this movie is I, I do have like the he has this like tie in with nature and I do really enjoy that that seems to be a very folk tale tied in um, story throughout all cultures, not really just like um, one specific country. He's found in various, various, like looking this stuff up, he's been in churches, like parts of churches that are from different, like, you know, in Ireland and then some in France. And then same with the, sh the other figure. They've been everywhere. And some people think it has to do with uh, Mother Nature or... Ha it's kind of how I took it was like, okay, like the green man and then like on the other side is the Sheila and the gig mm -hmm. thing, right? And I kind of was like, well, is... Because on the like a mythological sense, I was like, is the green man like a deity, like a god? And then like she's like a fertility goddess. Exactly. So that's that's what I take it, it as. Like, yeah, the imagery, mm -hmm. which is striking. Yeah, in this it is. Movie. And obviously based on a real thing too. So these are probably shocking to see in like, person. I'd love to see. Them. Yeah, no, really cool, right? Because <laughs> what I took from that, from the statue, like the the pillar in the church, it's basically like exactly what you said. It's like the green man, which is like nature and like you know everything, and then the Sheila Nagig is like fertility so then i almost took it as like what the story is talking about is like toxic masculinity maybe is like this natural thing that just is continuing to be like reborn reborn you know what and i mean because I, I did find it really interesting was that they they started um 
pre-production on this movie and Alex Garland wanted to tie it in perfectly to start recording right when winter ended and spring started and it got really green and yeah. the green man represents a restart every spring and I and I did see like I did find it that it was cool that the green man seeks Jesse Buckley kind of the same way that yeah like he needs mother nature it seemed like and there's that's where it gets to me kind of where like both of you agree but it gets to me where it could be open-ended in terms of because these characters are such they could represent so much more i I would be really interested to see what other people thought both of them represent throughout the movie i think it's really relevant that the whole idea of toxic masculinity being like a natural thing and like it coming in the springtime because it's like spring break daytona beach dude mm-hmm. all the toxic yeah. masculinity yeah jesus comes christ out, right? fueled by bud budweiser yeah. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> god to you by budweiser. yeah i mean honestly even in that dumb sense like that kind of is true like every spring is when like the debauchery starts yeah. like in the I don't want to say the world, but... You the know, douches the, return to the beaches. Exactly. Yes. Like, this is when Channel 5 thrives. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, spring break. Or, like, as an adult, you ever, like, maybe pass through the beach or something like that, and you notice it's spring break, and you're like, what the fuck is Where going the f- on? Yeah. Why are these vibes so aggressive <laughs> yes, in the exactly. vibe right now? Yeah. Right? Like, bro, I can smell the vibes. <laughs> like, this is intense. I should probably get out of here before something... <laughs> a fight could break out at any exactly. moment. Exactly. For, for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, uh, I did look it up. Uh, Rory Kinney had, like, Interesting quote talking about Sheila. What is it? Sheila Nagig. Gig. Yeah. The Sheila Come on, gig bro. You don't know Sheila Nagig. <laughs> Sheila gig being without explanation and that everyone has attempted to explain it over centuries and everyone has different interpretations. I feel like that is where the film hopes to exist. It's a provocation or an examination, but without an explanation. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give anything away because we're not doing spoilers yet, but I really feel like that pillar represents the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it is really literally just that almost. So, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Correct. <laughs> I agree. Um, before I think we should probably just start with the uh, like a plot or synopsis or something. Yeah, we, like that let's start with it so that we can actually get into more of like the themes and ideas of this movie because I feel like at this point now you can't do it without yeah. talking. About All it. Right. Correct. So Harper, who's played by Jesse Buckley, is taking a little vacation retreat to the English countryside because she has lost her husband. Um, a tragedy, honestly. tragic, tragically lost her husband, and yeah, she basically gets to this nice farmhouse and. All these weird things keep happening to her, and she's, like, followed by these different men, and they all, for some reason, look the same, you know what I mean? Or do they? Because she never really acknowledges it in the movie, but as the audience, we can see that these are all really similar people, and she is just kind of uh, tormented by these men in this town, and that's kind of what the movie is, basically. So... I think spoilers from this point on, yeah. right? Because even you can't even talk about the beginning of this movie without no, talking the, about the inciting incident, right? Exactly. So spoilers from here on out. If you haven't seen the movie and we sold you on it, please go see this. Yeah, go see. Be this. careful who you take. Yeah, like, yeah think about this. You don't want to be like Travis Bickle with your hand over your eye, like, oh, did I make a mistake? Maybe go see it by yourself. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just listen to people when they say they like movies. You got to be like, how much? Or like, <laughs> yeah, what's your exactly. threshold? Why did you like it? What other movies? What's the, yeah, you like? when's the last time you've been to the theater? Exactly. <laughs> the guy with the Travis Bickle profile picture. Think I think this Doctor, is a good movie. <laughs> did you think Doctor Strange should have been rated R? Yeah. Yes. Then no, <laughs> no, you don't no, need to come to watch this. this. <laughs> yeah, do not watch this. Um, but the inciting incident in the beginning is that Harper is going to divorce her husband, and mm-hmm. she's making her intentions very clear, and it turns physical, mm-hmm. which kind of that that feels heavy-handed yeah even yes. though it's very true mm-hmm. like i'm sure this is sadly this is probably happening somewhere right now yeah exactly um and you know her husband ends up taking his life after this after this accident or incident 
And it's never really clearly drawn out if it was an accident or, or if he really did kill himself. Yeah, that's tough. And, and one of the toughest parts is he basically holds this over her head, too, saying that if you do divorce me, I'm going to do it. And it's going to be your fault, and you're going to have to live with that, which is just fucked up. I do think that in a weird way, his toxic masculinity way of having that hold on her and putting almost like a curse on her and haunting her for life is the reason why everybody looks like Rory Kinnear to her and like how they all have that same face. It's almost like they all are versions of James still trying to take that same energy that he was trying to take. Like, no, I need I need you and you're going to be mine or I'm going to kill myself. Putting her in a very tough situation. I feel like it was so traumatic that she sees everybody as Rory Kinnear because they all are the same type of guy due to yeah, that trauma. Basically, yeah, that, I kind of took the same thing away from I think the main reason why they all look the same is it's obviously they're not the same person, but they all have these traits with inside them. And you see throughout the movie how they all show these different traits and like some are way more obvious than others like where you have her husband punching her in the face versus like the father talking about how the kid is just troubled there's nothing wrong with him like that's toxic yeah like instead of correcting the behavior he lets this little kid get away with calling harper a bitch which they're both totally different being physically abused and then something like that but at the same time like that is still one of the reasons why things persist Correct. you know what i mean I, or go ahead well, go, no, go on. Go on. I was just gonna say because uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but like the there is obviously a connection later when we see that she goes to the place where she's going to be on vacation. There's a, a tree there, and I think the tree plays a very, very significant like just theme in the movie. It's a heavy-handed theme as yes. well. Yes, the Adam and Eve, mm. and that, which and is in the trailer, so yeah. that's not really giving away. And that's so what much. I was going to say, kind of tying into what you were saying, Nate, is that it just seems like the stemming tree here is misogyny, and Adam and Eve. The story is misogynistic in its own way, in terms of Eve only exists because he comes from the rib of Adam, and so then in that way, almost like has to serve him because of that. But I do think that in almost all the men in this are the rotten apples that have fallen from this tree, stemming yep. misogyny. Yep, and, and it's as simple as like. The, the apple doesn't, doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Exactly. Right. And so that's, where, like, that's where I do think uh, people are like, I get it. It's too, like, spot on the, like, on the nose. But I don't necessarily think everybody thinks that way, though. I yeah. think just think that we see it that way because we watch so many films. And We're know that looking for the Everything symbolism. is going to yeah. be, like, in the garlic in a Garland movie, something like this is going to be in it. And it's going to be there for a purpose. Because I loved, personally, like, when he said, like, I mean, the allusion to the apple tree being basically like men. Like, when the a man falls off, the, like, a man falls off the tree, basically, and you don't do anything about it, it just turns to rot. Exactly. It's like, so, but why don't you pick up the apples? Like, why don't you do something about it? You know what I mean? So, nah. yeah, now we're just going to leave him there. Always the, being boys. The wasp will come. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the wasp yeah, will come. Yeah, which is like, that's some violent imagery, yeah. too, is like that you rot and then wasps. And it's such coming. like a no biggie. Like, why don't you just do something about it? Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of little nodes and you know he's like make chutney yeah <laughs> do whatever yeah. you want to us yeah exactly you can exactly. chop us up make chutney we don't care we just but want you to love us exactly he is the uh embodiment of like british stuffiness yes that yeah <laughs> scrumptious apples <laughs> like, <Jesus laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> um, i wanted to go back to the idea of like rory kinnear like is he all is it all one guy mm -hmm. is it a bunch of different men who she sees the same way. And Alex Garland said that like at least two comparisons that you can do and they sound very similar is either that they are all one man or like they all do have the same face or that 
it's all the like she can only see men one way right now and that's why she's seeing them all mm-hmm. this way but the fact that it's never acknowledged is not not to make her an unreliable narrator but it's just meant to like unsettle you mm-hmm. because of the like putting yourself in her in head space yeah exactly. so it's like not, those aren't the only two options but those are like the most surface level of yeah. like okay is it this or is it this and they're very similar which is kind of confusing but I like that it's never addressed. I do too. I will say the confusing part of either of those to me still bears the question that there is an entity though, because at the, obviously there's something that even she is seeing change. Something in her has eyes. happened. It's, yeah. it, it is something that is changing, like between all these characters. Because at the end, we're gonna get there, obviously. But it just seems like there is an entity that is ever changing as well. There is something at the end that confirms that she's not an unreliable narrator, and Correct. that something did happen. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we we at least know that walking out of the movie is that some shit really did. Yeah, go down it's there, not but who just knows like what really happened. Really happened. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't like at the ending of like uh, Saint Maud where you kind of like, wait. Oh, oh, oh shit! Oh, yeah, oh, that yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I mean that doesn't seem open ended, but everything else pretty much Cor- is. Yeah. correct. Exactly. Um, uh, Rory Kinnear playing the different characters. They all kind of embody like it, it's. It's really an opinion fest, like mm-hmm. more than any other movie that I can think of recently yes. where it's like, I could say it's this and you could say it's that. And I don't think either of them are wrong. It's just a personal. Yeah, it's however you saw the movie, it, right? I think. So do you guys think that these are all a bunch of different men and she's giving them the same face? Or do you think it's different men and she can't see that they're different men? I uh, like. What do you think okay, is going on? So I, okay, realistically, I think that they're all they're all individual people. They're not the same person yeah. at all, right? Um, I don't even think that she can see them as all the same face. Like they probably really do have different faces. It's like it's for us. It's right? a symbol. It's for the audience. It's showing that these men all hold these toxic traits. They're all the rotten apples. They're all exactly like they all are cut from the same cloth, basically. Like they're not the same. And that's why like I was saying earlier, they all show their traits differently. Like, you know, how the father treats her versus how Jeffrey treats her. Like, he won't let her do anything. Like, he won't let her carry the bags. He won't let her do this. He won't Trust let her do that. the knight in shining exactly. armor that nobody He's a white for. knight. Like, nobody yeah. fucking needs that. Like, let her be her own person. And they all go about, you know, showing these traits off differently. But at the end of the day, they're they're the same face because they negatively impact women. You know what I mean? So, I think that's how I, I took I, it. I didn't even took it as an, um, the landowner, the... He picks up her stuff and is the white knight. But then later we find out he says a line that, oh, my father always said I couldn't be a soldier. He's got daddy issues. And it's like you're only trying to, oh, I'm going to go out there and save you, be the white knight, because I want to prove my dad that I am a man worthy of protecting a woman. It's like you're using her guilt at the expense of you becoming a better person, which is like I had notes of kind of what you're saying. Like there is like a... um, adjective for each one of these guys as to like justify the way that they're acting so like james is scared and he's hurt and you have like the stalker's innocent like he's not gonna do anything to you i don't think he even saw you and the landowner is just nice he's just being a nice guy he's literally a nice guy like yeah he's carrying your stuff like you know and then it's like the troubled incel he's like oh no he's just he's just young he's like he'll he's he's just been like that Mm -hmm. like you're excusing that behavior then you have the holy vicar the horny father which is just basically (laughs) he uses that religion to basically judge her but then also try to get what he really wants from her Mm -hmm. in that way so denoting her down which 
I've heard many women like like men. That's like a kind of game that they play. Like, let me bring you down and tell you why you're not worth anything, but I'll still take you. Yeah, because like I'm like I'll be the bigger man and I'll still take you even though you're troubled. And that's like the holy vicar the whole time, you know. And then we have the incompetent police officer who just leave lets the guy go because like, well, he didn't do anything, man. What are we supposed to do? It's like, well, he was stalking me. We're like, oh well, you know, if he if something happens again, just call us. And it's always like, and that's like representing the society as like a man always kind of like. Just let us know when something bad happens, and then we'll do something. Instead about of taking it. precautions to make sure that nothing ever happens. Correct, and yeah. like it always just seems like there's an adjective for every person for them to be like an excuse for them to be a piece of shit guy. You know, the only one that I think I walk away from the film not understanding is the barkeeper. But Correct. then I think it's as simple as like being a complicit man. Of yeah. Like. Oh, well, I didn't actually do anything wrong, but I know that my friend was making you uncomfortable, but like, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Like, I can tell you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and uh, okay. Like when he's like, oh, her money is no good here. And he just is like, okay. But like, yeah. why not pick her side? Exactly. Like, why do you automatically stick with, with the man? With, yeah. With Correct. the guy. Right. And I, I honestly think his is, is, is as simple as that. I think you're right. And then I think the, like the bar patrons, like the two like British bruvs, right? Yeah. Like, I think they're like the silent, violent types, right? Where it's like, they're the type of dudes who go out, sit in the corner, and like, they got 15, she's fines, 16s, oh, on God, she's this, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Correct, like, correct. They're the dudes who sit in the corner and just talk about the girls all night instead of actually try to approach them or be normal, yeah. you know what I mean? And we only really see one, like, outburst from them. But I, I do think that that's what they were trying to portray. I think of the, of all the characters, the... The two guys in the bar and the barkeeper have the, like the least to do with mm-hmm. her story. So then, if this guy or all these men are just a representation of the different sides of James, I think maybe though that he, like those are the traits that he might have not had, but are still prevalent in a in lot men. of men. I can mm, see that. I see that. So I like maybe that. the vicar, the cop, the landowner, and all, and the little boy like, are all traits that James has. So and they that's take a why bigger those role. Four are the ones that are like really haunting her and then the other ones are just kind of like tertiary in the background side like this is a these are the bigger problems of men of like the silent types or like the complicit types where they don't really show their aggression but it's more of like an internal Internal thing thing. and i will say that i didn't even feel necessarily that way that they were going to be connected up until a certain point towards the end of the movie where we literally see transformations of them into what ends up being james so then that's when I started thinking, okay, well, they, they are tied into him in some certain way because after a certain point, we do get, I guess, her trying to straighten some of the trauma out. The reason I think that they all, well, that it, I don't know if it starts this way, but like I think it ends as them all being in different interpretations of James is that when he had his, when he killed himself, mm-hmm. the way his body looks after mm-hmm. are things we see. In on the, the other characters. Yep. Exactly. Correct. So this is a heavy spoiler, but he, he has the broken ankle yep. and the, the, fucked the up split hand, hand right? Disgusting. And yeah. when he died, his hand was split by yep. the pole and he had a broken ankle. You, did you? Okay, so did you notice that he had three injuries when he killed himself? It was the arm, the leg, and then he had a gash in his head. Yeah. yeah. And none of those people had gashes until the very end where she picks up the hatchet. So then I'm led to believe that she hits him over the head with the hatchet. Correct. You know what I mean? And creates the final the final blow. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. No, no, I agree. <laughs> I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, uh, yeah. but it's just because well, the, the theme. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's just because the themes are so that's there was those connections that I've been wanting to talk to you about, you guys, and it does seem like we're all on the same page, and maybe that's why people think it's like it's not the as deep as it is. Yeah. 
the wasp. We go. We're thinking the same thing. <laughs> but no, I think it really just comes down to how well he executed this movie, and like it, it, it really just shows off Alex Garland's style and why, in a gnarly way, he gave these themes that we're talking about that aren't necessarily really what the movie visually is showing you. It's all of this theme is like what's going on in the background and this trauma with her is just being visualized and it's really, really bloody trauma because it's something probably the hardest type of trauma to get over, an unwarranted trauma. Mm -hmm. I feel like the plot of the movie and like the writing of the movie is all just the themes. Like this isn't a plot heavy movie. No. This is a vibe this is a vibe aesthetic movie. It is. Of like, yeah, it's a feeling. Mean. Some real life fibrosis. Yeah, he's trying to create a feeling more than uh, like, or he's saying something with the images more than. It's true. It's like, that's why it's so heavy handed, I it's, think. Because I mean, there realistically is not really like, the plot is that she's at the place. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Some and then stuff happens. And then she the rest stopped. of the movie is driven by, like you said, the themes. I mean, even the, like when you read the synopsis of the movie, it's just as simple as um, in the aftermath of a, pers of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to a beautiful English countryside hoping to find a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as a simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare and by her darkest memories and fears yeah so it's literally i think it goes down he alex garland is putting us in her mind the whole movie and i'm sure some people understand stuff and others don't but i do think it's you especially resonate if you've had any type of that like trauma mm -hmm. and i i did want to say i had this written up as something just i found interesting this movie reminded me a lot of how people feel and like watching it of mother like aronofsky's mother i felt the same way that like i guess Darren Aronofsky as a man isn't the person to be talking about this, but I as a man felt like move or I understood what he was trying, the message he was trying to get across, and I feel like I learned as a man because of it. And I don't think that's something negative to put the movie down. Did yeah. you like Mother Nate? I do like Mother. I do like Mother a lot, actually. I remember not knowing how to feel. I didn't like it the first time that I'd seen it, and then I've watched it a few more times and I actually oh, really I've only like watched movie. it the one time and I was just like I was shocked, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I was taking it back, but I didn't know. I was like, did I like that? Or was it just so much shock value that I can't... Every time I see it, I like it more I do more. think I like it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do like that movie, but I've seen it twice, and I do start to liking it more. The second the second time that I saw it, I liked it more. Knowing once, like, what you're getting yourself into. You know, the first time I watch it, it is it's almost like, like a scare... What the fuck is going a on? Yeah, that movie is... A lot scarier than people would think. Yeah. Good thing British people aren't real. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have to talk about the final oh, yeah. the climax. Because yeah. if you've seen the movie, I'm sure this is what you're here for. I'm sure you've been... I'm sure you have nightmares about, about it. <laughs> and you want to know what the fuck is going yeah. on, right? And I don't know if we're going to give you an answer, but I think that we can also share your pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say that starting this, my favorite... My favorite aspect of this movie is once we do, once the sequence really starts getting heavy. And so we get the greed man um, blowing, well, what is it, dandelions? dandelions. Into, her, into her. And it, it almost, she almost takes it like a drug induced. And she starts tripping out. And I think that's where this movie really becomes one of the favorite horror segments I've seen in a long time. Like she has like this really, like the nightmare, and there's the. Um, I guess you'd call it the statue with both of the faces on it. The pillar. The pillar. And she's like holding it and it's like dark. And then you can just see how it's glowing red. And then there's all these like, like just a montages of like what's happening through her life. And it just becomes, it it just becomes trippy, trippy as fuck. And then it ends up ending where, where I think it's crazy is the green man is trying to put his hand through the mail, whatever you would call it. Mail slot. slot. Yeah. The mail slot. And she has a knife and <laughs> she stabs his arm 
And I mean, from that's when it just ramps the fuck up. You know what I mean? Because the the arm just starts to pull away and it just splits in half. And the way that it it splits in half, it just really reminded me of something that we would watch in Cronenberg or in a Carpenter movie. And then was I was like, gnarly. holy shit. That was and it was just blood everywhere. And I was like, it, it just really started from that get-go, you know? You sure know how to paint a picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because then, I mean, yeah, this part's crazy because you start seeing that the entity or the man or whoever it is that's chasing her is constantly changing back and forth between all these different men she's met throughout the town and has had these negative experiences with. And they keep bringing up, you know, they almost like, especially the father, like really devolves into who he really is. Like, you know what I mean? As a person and as a, a man. Yeah. At this point, I did think too, on the second watch, is it because he threw with dandelions? Like, is this all a trip? I don't think so. No. I, no, I don't think so. I Just think that segment, right? Like that like that nightmare segment seems like the the tripping part. Kind of. I Honestly, I don't think she was tripping off the dandelions. I, the dandelions to me just represent like the nature and like man spreading his seed, I guess. Like that's kind of what I took mm, away from it. True. But, because um, it does come up the first time that she sees him mm-hmm. when they, she's running away. There's a, it's when she's running times. away from the first time that she sees the entity. Uh, there is a dandelion, like one in the middle of the frame, and she runs by it and picks it up with her nose. Because that happens. There's there's that part where the dandelion falls in that dead deer. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk about that yeah. that yeah. imagery, which yeah. I think is probably the most heavy handed piece yeah. of the movie. And it's like, you know, the woman is represented as this like fragile doe that's you know kind of mother naturey, and she's dead and rotting and. What is on her? Maggots. A bunch of maggots, maggots. men that are having the, the having their way with yeah, exactly. how, whatever they want from her. Exactly. So yeah. I thought that was the most heavy-handed. The more I, I thought too. about it, too, I was like, that obviously meant something. Where it's it feels like it could mean nothing and be just a cool transition shot, which it's not. It, it actually everything. You know, you know what it reminded me exactly of is Mandy. Hey. Yeah, yo. Which is another director. <laughs> Mandy. I was gonna bring up when we brought up uh, Yorgos and. And Alex Garland be like the director for Mandy. Was Cos- what is it, Cosmos? Panos, Cosmos. Panos, yeah. Which basically in that movie is the same thing. It's the death of, you know, the idea of that man wanting Mandy. So I, I think it's interesting that he's that in this one too. So That is good imagery though, the deer. Mm-hmm. I did, I'm glad you brought that up. Are we going to... Uh, okay. stomach is already hurting dude, okay. thinking about this. Is it because you have to give birth? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know what's funny is my wife and I always talk about how my movies wife. and TVs... <laughs> always find this way of being like extremely relevant to like your situation Mm -hmm. that you're in. There's always a, uh, you'll be like, you know, going through a hard time or something. Like maybe you lose your job or something and then you go home and you watch the TV show and the character loses their job and you're like, what the fuck? How did you know that? Leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) So with, (laughs) with my wife being pregnant, we had talked about it before. Like, you know, I made the stupid joke. I was like, you know, if I could carry the baby and give birth, I would do it for you, right? <laughs> and then I watched this movie, and I'm like, never fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, yeah, so basically we have the ending scene where she's getting chased around by this entity, and all of a sudden... It, it starts rebirthing it, itself. It gives birth, yeah. The Green Knight comes out, he starts laughing, yep. and he starts having the rebirth right <laughs> yeah. there. And I, I thought this was really interesting part because this happens what like four or five times. This constant cycle of like yeah. being born yeah. and then the rebirth and all like that. Five times after like the fourth, the third one, I was like, you're overdoing it. I, I thought it was interesting because at that point, like you would expect like Harper as the main character to be like freaking the fuck out. You know what I mean? But she's not. She's almost like just like staring at it, like it's like this is disgusting. I think she's well, past like you know the what I mean, exactly. And she, I basically just took that like symbolically as like she's just kind of come to grips and, and instead of being like 
having this these traits bring her down, she almost looks at it like, you're fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Like, you're disgusting. I do not need this. Like, get this shit out of my face. Like, I think she understood what was going on, and that's the reason why we get so many transformations, mm-hmm. and it becomes almost too many of them, is because at that same point that the monster or the entity is still trying to get at her and like, oh, pay attention to me, but she's so over it at this point. She understands that you're just trying to get my attention because you need my attention to grow. Mm-hmm. And then it's fi- final last attempt to try to get that from her is becoming James. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that that furthers my point that like the transformations kind of back up my point about the like what traits James has mm. because the pe- the ones who are reborn are the ones the main that ones are the main ones yeah. yeah it's not the barkeep or the the bros mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's Jeffrey it's the little boy the it's vicar. the vicar and then the green guy yeah and we eventually get to James right, right? and I also think that it, the imagery of the green man having the the broken ankle and the fucked up arm yeah. is like that is the cementing proof that like this is finally happening or like that this is real and it hasn't been a dream. Correct. Yeah. So um I, I also think that the reason like you said that she has that like I'm over this shit kind of attitude mm-hmm. towards it by the end is because even in the beginning of the movie, she fights back like against this idea of the, like, I'm not going to take this on as my mm. fault. Even if you're telling me that yeah. it's going to be my fault, like you're going to have to live with that. Not me, but because of, you know, what happens to her with all of these men, even though she doesn't feel that way, it's like, they're trying to beat that into her mm-hmm. the way that like society would do that exactly. in real life. Of, like maybe in these real life situations, this does happen. And you know, someone kills themselves and they're telling you it's your fault. And then society backs that up by like, well, it is your fault. And even if, even if you don't feel that way, the pressure of it is probably mounted on her so much. Yeah, that's that like a tidal wave. Like, yeah. like, hey, I'm going to take this weighted blanket and throw it off of me finally. Because you guys have been trying to smother me this mm-hmm. entire time. That's a good point. I mean, that's the same reason she tells the vicar to go fuck off. You know, it's like, I, how dare you say or even suggest that it is somewhat my fault? Because it's not her fault. No, it's not. Like, she, is, she is a person and she has no reason to be in the situation she doesn't want to be in. And why should she feel guilty that... James and and I mean that's the whole other thing when he is sitting there at the end he does make it seem like he says to her again as that reborn this is all your fault like none of this would have happened if you just loved me and that's why she looks like the axe because fuck this like I'm done be like I'm killing this now you know what I'm killing you like I'm gonna like no I did it yeah I killed you that's the heavy handedness of the movie too is like even in this like we're like okay what does this all mean why is this green man birthing or why are these men all birthing different versions mm-hmm. of themselves, right? And, like, we talked about with, like, the spring and the rebirth cycle. And it's, like, even after this crazy, trippy, biblical event or yeah, what, I don't even exactly. know what, to, what the fuck yeah. to call it, right? Like, <laughs> this weird, bizarro universe that it takes place in, you still come full circle back to the idea that this is my fault. And if you, like, all I want is for you to love me. And it's like, it's like, it's divorced dad energy. You know what I mean? It's like your your mother broke my heart. Yeah. Even though, and you know, all those things I did, well, she broke my heart. It was you know her fault. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. No, I, I mean, and I think it's a good point that you brought it up because that's what he says. What do you want from me? And he says, I want your love. Like, Which is I, like too, too late for that. Yeah, exactly. This is too late. It's like, you've had it. Like, and I mean, I did want to, I guess this brings it back to the beginning other aspects that I want to bring up of this movie, I thought it was really cool how it starts with like this orange tone over mm-hmm. like the whole sunset sky. I thought that was like one of the most the gorgeous John scenes. Song playing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
the whole parts of him falling, being in slow mo and looking at her, I d- I thought that brought so much to the trauma. The fact that she it did keep killing her. Like, did she did he see me when he fell? Like, did we lock eyes? Because I do think if you were in her position in that moment, knowing that he actually is killing himself either by accident or on purpose. That through the eyes you would say so much in that half second to be like, I'm, this isn't what I wanted. Like, I hope I could say paragraphs to you in those half seconds that our eyes locked in. And that's why it's killing her because, like, is it even humanly possible that we could have locked in eyes? But obviously, as the audience, we do see in slow mo that they, they do, do lock yeah, in eyes. Do. And I think that's almost just plays so much more on the trauma because she keeps getting all of those flashbacks because she is connected in that way for his like she saw him right before he died the last moment of his crisis i wonder if the orange is because you know how well unless i'm wrong here her color is red mm-hmm. right and then the green is for nature and man man and all that but i think maybe the reason it starts that yellowish orange is kind of like uh when they have like those danger meters yeah you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, where it's like yeah. the movie starts in yellow orange and then it goes to red. <laughs> yeah. Like, it goes mean, Mandy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it just, it, it gets totally turned up from that point of like, now we're in the red, we're in the danger zone. And right now. now it's just, it was just cooking. The yeah, light, exactly. Just slightly boiling. I like, like, I did like the orange. I, I take it as like, that's like the, not the fact that it's a flashback. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I really did like how they, instead of just showing you everything at once, they, how he spliced like the different parts of that interaction throughout the entire movie. Correct. You got to see how it's gnarly not it really was. It's exposition fest. No, exactly. Like it, and it, it usually like relates to the conversation that she's having at the time. And it, it always works. I, yeah, I did like that there were just certain parts in the movie in the middle of it that they were used as like a, a flashback to her thinking about in the middle of her folding clothes, right? Where it seemed like kind of, oh, nothing's going on. When she's by herself, she would have those moments, and then she, like, walked out. And that's when she went on the walk. This is what he does in Annihilation as well. It's when Natalie Portman has these moments of isolation and a moment to herself, even in this fucked-up shimmer zone or whatever. It's that. Huh? She, that's what her mind the is root of the going problem. to, is the guilt that she's living yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do think these movies are so similar. Like, that's how he likes to tell a story. So when these characters are alone, it isn't just this moody moment of watching them you know make expressions and stuff like that like it's these haunting no, dream yeah. sequences he uses it having. to it's full ability for sure yeah for sure he this is uh the third time i think that um he's used the same cinematographer rob hardy was well, the same devs too oh, okay so um he just says he likes using him a lot because he isn't over like he doesn't overthink shots either he's subtle as well he's mm-hmm. subtle he's he said in an interview that he thinks that He's an underrated DP mm-hmm. because he doesn't linger and he doesn't really show off like, okay, look how cool this shot is. And it's yeah. been 15, 20 seconds. Like there are these images that if you don't pause them, it might go right past you. How like, stunning it was. I, that's I actually like that you said that because I, I've been think I've actually been thinking about the little part where it's just like, like three to four, maybe five second shots of like nature like the flower and the tree stuff and stuff oh, like I that. Know what you're about. And I was almost like in my head I was like I wonder why they didn't linger on that. Cuz like in a lot of these art house movies like you think they like linger. they do, they'll show it for 20 fucking seconds. But it was just like these little it, it was just really nice. It was really it's well like done. It's like these beautiful national mm-hmm. geographic like yeah. pictures where like how the fuck did they I know. get that shot? Yeah. And in that way it kind of reminds you in the way when you think about a memory of when you've walked down a pasture like that it's always images of oh, I remember the flower. I like I really the, like that tree that I like yeah, it's always it's never like just that. a full video running. Mm-hmm. It's always 
images and I think it worked because by the time the next image that we do get is Jesse walking in the middle of all this. So you're already kind of in that atmosphere because he already almost threw memories at you mm -hmm. into your brain. Like, oh, you remember how this smells? You you saw how, how the dandelions were there. Done. That's and exactly how I felt. Because really it was did. like the dandelions are highlighted too on that dead tree. There's mm -hmm. like a bunch of them at the top. Yeah, I mean, this movie's imagery and just cinematography, I thought, was really, really good. Um, it just stood out. And obviously, where they are in Britain, just beautiful Yeah, it's spot. gorgeous. The countryside looks beautiful. Yeah. Right? Like, I would love to visit something For, for like sure. That. It's crazy. And it just, just juxtaposed what's going on so yeah. well. You know what I mean? It's kind of like in The Shining, the same way. Like, it's such a nice little remote spot, but that's the weirdest shit that's going to happen. Since we're talking... It all goes back to The Shining. Ah, yeah. here we go. <laughs> since, since we're talking about the technical side really fast, I just want to, like... The score and the sound design. Oh, I was yes. just about to say that. Yeah, like fucking haunting. Yeah. I like specifically, I keep thinking about the scene, but the church scene. Oh man. Where she's having her meltdown and she screams and like the score matches up perfectly with her scream. It's it's incredible. There's a really dude. cool uh, there's a really cool uh lens flare shot on that when the father comes out. Did mm -hmm. you guys catch yep. that? It, it becomes it's a small circle and it becomes bigger. Yep. The more the yeah, I thought that was um uh, the music is done by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, and I thought that was an amazing score. Yeah, yeah. haunting, haunting. Yes. visceral, and I going back to Annihilation. I thought Annihilation had a beautiful yep. score as well, and I just think Alex Garland fully understands. Which okay, I think this is interesting because Alex Garland started as an author, not just a screenplay writer, but like writing books, and then he became a writer, and then writer director, and then now like he is. This is his medium. He's left behind like books and mm -hmm. just writing, right? So I think that marriage of the visuals with the audio and, like, his direction, like, he's fully in his movie maker bag now. He's well-rounded. Exactly, because I think he understands how important the music and the imagery is along with the, the writing. With the writing. And I, I think he makes really bold choices in both and like in both fronts, mm -hmm. you know, and, like, the people that he works with, too. Like, I think they probably have a lot of creative freedom to really, like... Like, like technical, like flex themselves, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like to re just really show off in those ways, even though it's also like subtle and I feel like it engulfs you and you don't know what's happening to you until you really take a second to realize what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I think I was so immersed in that movie and it was done in such a simple way. Because the music is really good. But I would think about it more after it had passed mm -hmm. than when it was happening. Because when it was happening, I was like, ah, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was white knuckled holding yeah, on to exactly. my seat. Like, I'm not even, I can't hear anything right now. I'm just <laughs> seeing these haunting images. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I agree. And the sound design is also incredible. And the way it's used throughout yeah. the movie. The too. tunnel scene. Yeah, exactly. So the, and you've probably seen it in the trailer. Yeah. It's the ha, 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 mm -hmm. right? So that plays a huge role throughout it the does. climax of the movie. And I, I don't remember like personally but i've heard that they also use rory kinnear's um sound design as well like his voice mm. like during that scene so like the actors themselves playing such a big part in the in the sound of the movie like just adding to that two-man team of it's like pretty cool how this movie is being done that was the one part where i was a little confused on how much that played a role like her voice it playing back over because that's after she does that is when we get the entity like rising up. It's used for moments of confusion as well. So like that's kind of interesting. It's that this little cute <laughs> voice song mm -hmm. thing that she was doing and then it being used for like when she's the most puzzled 
it's it's this movie's abrasive sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I almost it almost felt like her her it was waiting for a voice or a tone of Mother Nature to arise. That's almost like what I took from it. But I was like, that's one of the things like because he doesn't want to answer them, I might not ever get answered for. But I'm not too certain on how integral of a role her doing that on the tunnel played throughout the whole story. Dude, how disturbing was the green dude's screeches? Those yeah. are terrifying. Yeah. Like, that is, like, not human. Like, that was, that shit, I don't know. I did not like that. <laughs> I did not like <laughs> I did that. Not like that. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. I just want to say I didn't like that. I yeah. was not a fan Two of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's screaming oh, banshee. You know, talking about parts that made me really, really uncomfortable, the part where the, the, the young incel is, so, okay, this is another movie that has a crow in it. Which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't expect. Um, I mean, we talked about how in Eggers there's always oh, a crow. Okay. And like uh, most scary movies, once there's a crow, you know, shit's about to go down. <laughs> but in this one, I thought it was funny. But where they already killed the raven and he puts the mask on it and he's just sliding it on that table. That sound that it made. I was going to explode. I was ready to explode. <laughs> yeah. Both times. I was like, this needs to be 10 seconds shorter because I'm ready to fucking walk out of this. So like, uneasy. This sound yeah. is making me. like, and, and that really doesn't happen to me very often where a sound in a movie gets me that. Like, it was it was getting me mad. I was like, hurry up. <laughs> it's just fucking uncomfortable. I think another reason the ending is so uh, heavy-handed with the imagery and I feel like we've kind of been like dancing around the subject, but the, the, the births that take place, right? Like the bussy. we haven't really talked about <laughs> back, how yeah. disturbing it is. Yeah. It's right? disgusting. And, uh, I know that Alex Garland, which I thought this was cool is that his daughter had introduced him to attack on Titan. Mm. So oh, the imagery of the green man and like that shocking look, and the way that Attack on Titan treats like human mutation, which is another huge theme in Alex Garland's work, literally in all three of his movies, <laughs> some yeah. form of human mutation takes place, whether it's the AI, the entities from the Shimmer, or in this, this movie, one, yeah. right? And he was saying how like the transformation that we see in these in this movie, it's only so uncomfortable because it's something that is real, like the subject of birth itself, whether it be like vaginal or through a C-section mm-hmm. is mostly uncomfortable for people. And that it's, it's the most natural thing you can do. Yes. So for it to be so uncomfortable, it just says something about people like in our brains, in our brain chemistry, all of us, it's something that no one really wants to talk about, even though it's how we all got here. Correct. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? Big it's true. Like, it's we're all somebody's kid. Not everyone is somebody's parent, but everybody is somebody's, somebody's kid. kid. Mm-hmm. So everybody has had to go through this traumatic like I don't want to say subject, but moment in their Even, life, yeah. you know what I mean. And he's this is something that he's obsessed with. Is it like dis- birth and rebirth. It dissects it the same way that X dissected like sex. Be like you're so fast and like want to look down on it, but each one of us does it, or each one somebody yeah. becomes is a product of it. Everybody literally is a product of it. So I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I thought it was interesting in that scene how like honestly the births got more and more like grotesque. I feel yes. like. Because at first you had what seemed to be like a natural birth, basically, and then it spreads to the back, and then finally James comes out of somebody's mouth, and oh it's just like God. it just gets progressively James more unsettling. Like first, you know too. what I mean? Like, holy I literally shit! Felt sick. Yeah, I'm not even gonna no. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. It was a lot, dude. It, it was made a me lot. very nervous. And just to watch, like, in the delivery room, <laughs> the 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 one who gave birth, like, watch him fall off as like a meat sack after too. It's just like that's the total God. attack on Titan shit, where it's yeah. like, how do we make you feel totally uncomfortable looking at? something that's natural 
Well, Especially when they kid, like, oh my god! And they're all born with the broken ankle yep, and, fucked and the fucked up, up, up hand, which is like furthering the idea that this is all one connected. Entity. Yeah, I did think it was funny that when she sees the kid again, she's like, "What are you gonna do? Hurt me again?" Yeah, and um, and I, yes, I, later on, that is what's going to yes, happen. Yes, exactly what's going to happen. Again. And I, I did think it was funny that the, um, that's exactly after we get she's talking to James and it just she touches the hatchet. Boom, title card drops, you know what I mean? And then there's not much left to the movie mm-hmm. besides literally, I think, five minutes. He one up to drive my car. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was about to say. Or like fresh. He was like, let, let me show you. Title let me do it double. double. Minutes. Yeah, 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 no, right. Five minutes before it's about to end. How about that? But I, did, I actually did like the ending. And I thought that's what you were talking about, like when you do know it's real. Because yes. her friend, her friend comes, but she's been talking to the whole movie, which is another the only other girl in this movie. The so police and the officer. police officer. Oh, that's true. And but to be fair, both of them are very like seem to be. Well, we have the helpful friend, right? Which is like every scary movie kind of needs one of yeah. these. And then, but I also think that the police officer, the woman, is meant to show the complicit women in the world of. Um, like, yeah, I, I guess I believe you and, you know, I, ho- I hope you're okay, I like but that. this isn't really something I'm going to get involved with because in a more, in an even more heavy handed movie, I feel like the woman police officer would be the, like, like a third character almost like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. I or see. Like, this would become a personal thing for her. Like as a woman, it's happening to one of my sisters. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you you're right. I mean? If it was, yeah. like, Oh but yeah. That's I feel point. like that's not what the point is. The point is that she's just kind of there to also be complicit. Like I, the barkeeper. I'm not going to lie. I did take her as a helpful person. Like really? I really, I did. Like I really like, and you could even like, I felt like Harper's like whole demeanor kind of changed around the woman. Like I felt like she seemed more comfortable. And like at that point, like she does help her. Like they do take the man away yeah. and it's not her fault that the dude got released at the end. I think it might be more of like a, just a woman being more comfortable explaining what happened to right. to another woman exactly, than yeah. a man who would judge her. It's not that the woman is judging her, but it doesn't mean she's going to help her. Either. Yeah. It's more true. of a just... I feel more comfortable telling you this. That's true, yeah. But her best friend character is on her side and does see. She's like, an, another one happened or like an, another. And she starts telling like all the aspects of all the shitty men she saw on her trip. And she's like, all right, I'm going to go out there. Because yeah. the whole time she, she's talking to her through FaceTime. Which I thought that's when um, cell phones being used in movies works. I guess you go to a place where it would where you would lose signal, right? And then you kind of throw that whole equation out of like the... You can't really use your phone. Or she did end up still sending the text with the address. So, okay, oh, that still got through. She, that's how she got there. But I did end up liking that she is the supportive friend and the friend that's kind of there and on her side and seeing this the things because she's a woman understands what's coming from it. I think the technology in this movie is meant to confuse you and to, like, be disorienting more than his other two movies where technology are, like, a main piece of the story. Correct. So like the cell phone is acting up and it's showing these disturbing right? image imagery of like a screaming man, mm-hmm. right? Which would probably be Rory Kinnear as well. But it's I didn't like, catch him, but it's, I did as, see it's that. as like surface level as like a man not letting you talk to your friend, right? Yeah. But also, I just think it's interesting that this is the first time that technology is not a mainstay in the movie. So like, it's not really helpful or um, unhelpful. It's just not really not there. It's not a centerpiece of the movie. Like it was, it was, it was used as a phone, as a phone would. Like you could have just they cut the line off. Like, but she he she got her call out or text to where she was, and that's how at the end we get. The, that's why I like it because you get to see the car is fucked up and there's blood on it. So something has happened, and whether I took it as in the, her trauma of being out in that 
in that pasture and like her having to go through all of the trauma was such a bloody battle that there is actual physical like manifestations of this like that battle that she went through and her friend at the end seeing that her smile be like oh you conquered it though so i think it's open-ended to the point where it's like she might have either just killed a man who knows who it was like it could have just been one of these men from the town who didn't actually have his face right right? and like it's kind of like a psychological freak out yeah or this entity is real and it really is this shape-shifting man who or man beast thing right that she did kill or, or like like you said, it's like it's this physical bloody battle that's like, was this all in her head? Mm-hmm. But like, okay, maybe she crashed her car, maybe she accidentally cut herself, and like, you just don't know. Yeah, and like, and that's why that's where the movie actually ends, and it leaves you with the like, so what did happen? Yeah, I don't Is know. Is this a Fight Club scenario <laughs> where she beat the shit out of herself? <laughs> yeah, you know? I. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's one of the other. Two. No, I think something happened. What I what I honestly think, like, and I still don't even know if I really like believe this wholeheartedly, but just what I've taken away so far. Is I'm I honestly think that the dude out in the like that came out of the woods, the green guy, mm-hmm. probably came back. And like that's who she had like a showdown with, maybe, because that's obviously a real person. Or so we think, because everybody else in the town is interacting, like that really happened, you know what I mean? That's true. So maybe that she ended up having to kill that guy, but I like I said, you don't know. Because the difference we'll is we know. do get the green the green knight character in that sequence of her tripping out, which we hadn't seen up until that point. Or is it no, right? Is it or is it the same guy because he started putting more stuff on his face? It's the same guy. He it's, just he, yeah. he's like turning like it into fully whatever grown now. out or whatever. Yeah. I know that we get the sequence where he's like underground and he's putting the leaf on his head. So it seems like he's being a like a soldier of Mother Nature is what you're saying, I right? She, like awoke him. Like from his slumber, like you know what I mean, it's like mm. awaking a deep evil, like a and that's a what natural I thought because of the, her her chant on the in the tunnel. That's why I thought because it like because it played the um, while she was doing like the chants, we kept seeing the water dripping on the it's like uh, a summoning. Yeah, it's almost like he her voice was awoken him, like you said. Hey man, he's a man. He's gonna chase. He's gonna stalk. He saw a woman, you know. Yeah, she woke him no, up from that. it's as simple as that. I do think. It's as simple think. as that. Honestly, I, I agree. But there's all that complexity there because you have these really complex scenes and images that are meant to just disorient you. Like I think that is one of the main yeah. things in this movie is like leaving you disoriented. And what I was gonna say about the cell phones is I kind of got off of it was that the cell phones also not working and stuff like that. I just think that's meant to confuse you in the way of like, is this some kind of Twilight Zone type town? Did yeah. she go into a different mm. because pocket universe? You know what I mean? Where we don't know what's really going on and like none of this is real. Because, like it, yeah. Almost like that M. Night Shyamalan idea of like, hold on, what is really going on here? I see what you mean. Because the number one thing that did not work for me in this movie was when she received the text. From when she was texting her friend. And it was like, I know where you are, you stupid bitch. This is just a new thing in movies because I watched the new Scream and it's like, that is also you. And it's like, and like, I can get it. Like, that might make sense in a different movie if like somebody had taken her phone, but that just makes no sense and doesn't line up with anything else in the movie, I feel like. Good point. And I also do not like the fact that her phone breaks up and you can see like a guy on the other side. Like, what what is that? That is weird because the phone wouldn't do that. But I guess that's where kind of Gus is going into, like, it makes you think, is this a Twilight Zone type place where this this guy is running everything in this area? So, yeah, yeah. he's showing up through the screen because he's connected to Mother Nature, so he could just do that. It I might guess. be some sort of red hair or whatever. But I, but I do agree with you. Electricity is natural. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I will agree that I don't think you take out the text thing. Not missed yeah, at all. Yeah, I don't. And I, I do did think not like if that. you don't use the faces, it doesn't take anything away from it too. So I could see you that. You know, point. The, the with the heavy handedness and the leaning into like. 
you could you could argue that Alex Garland makes B movies that are A movie quality. Yeah. Right. So I think that is where like just some earnest horror shit pops into the movie. Some video drum shit. Just some yeah, some like hokey shit that doesn't work, and it's like why is this is you're a like. Well, at least in what Alex Garland wants us to think, it's like that you're above doing something like this. Is that kind of how you take it, Nate? Where it's like this feels cheap. It does. It felt cheap. cheap. Yeah. No, that's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's what it is. I just think it's like he leaned in a little too hard in that. Exactly. Like you really didn't need that at all. I wouldn't do anything because Gus brought it up that he was failing to find inspo to how to do like drawing out and like the bloody stuff, and then he saw Attack on Titan, and it gave him that inspiration. But he did say that it was how Attack on Titan shows like like kind of leans a little bit more towards the ridiculousness but only enough to scare you be like that's not what the human body actually looks like but it's only enough to scare well, it's you like, yeah cell phones don't actually do that but that's in the scary movie at. world you can lean into the idea of like <gasps> my cell phone got hacked by a ghost and that's where i was <laughs> going at is that i think he put some of that into leaning into the ridiculousness was a, a face coming out of the screen or for some reason the guy hacked your phone yeah. for the one text it's like it's super nitpicky because like in my head it would even work for me if it was like she sent that text to her friend and another number texted her and yes. was like i know i already know where you are it's like okay that makes a little more sense yeah but to get to come from her phone yeah it's like bro she's four hours away like that makes no sense yeah i know that it it he feels i feel like this movie is above that and for that and it is kind of cheap i agree um one last thing i really wanted to talk about was the difference i noticed in the trailer versus the actual movie and i think maybe it was shot out of well, obviously, it was shot out of order. That's how they make movies. But I think something from the trailer got left in from the original ending, which is Rory Kinnear had mentioned that one of the endings of the movie was that it leans really into the idea that this is an entity mm. and it's chasing her and changing forms as it's chasing her. So almost like the thing, right? Cool. Like something like that. But that, yeah. they were like, eh, I don't know. Maybe, too much that's, like maybe that's too much. You yeah. Know? So they didn't really do that. And they, I guess it was more artistic, which is like, Okay, Alex Garland, I could understand why he was like, hold on, let me do let me do something better than that or like more thought provoking. I think like that. you said be like he wrote Annihilation was like, Wait, no, let me do the ending kinda more like that actually. Yeah, because in the trailer when Jesse Buckley is like in the garden at night and then she closes the door, you hear like heavy like Hulk level footsteps and like like heavy screaming, mm. like, okay, this is a straight up monster chasing her. Interesting. And then what what we get in the ending is a lot more Subtle. Trippy mind fuck yeah. Yeah. situation than straight up. I'm gonna the fucking get the yeah. thing where it yeah. becomes the mega thing. You can yeah. consider that she might be tripping out in this ending, but the ending that you're saying, like, oh no, the entity's fucking real. No, yeah, it, this thing takes place. Like this does happen, and then we get the we get the get out type shot at the ending where the friend shows up, mm. right, and we get confirmation that this was definitely real, real. in some way. Yeah. So. I think we hey, I, I think we did pretty good for I, yeah. three fellas. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I think we covered it. I think I think we're, we're open. not like all men, ladies. <laughs> I think we're open to knowing that there's some stuff that obviously was right on the nose, and the fact that all three of us, without ever really talking about it before, agreed. I think it, that might just come from how much we watch movies, though. <laughs> we have to hurry and end this. I can't keep pretending I'm this smart. I'm like, yeah, I can't keep pretending I knew what I was talking about for the last I'm not hour. Not sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh man but i had a great time with this yeah alex garland you are that guy pal yeah no shit dude this... i know it's hot right now to pretend like everybody hates alex garland yeah that's what the Apparently. discourse has become it's so stupid that he's no good and he even feels like an imposter somewhat but 
Y'all are true. I mean, I don't want to throw this around like slightly, but I feel like Alex Garland is probably like our closest to Stanley Kubrick that we have today. Okay. Yeah, I, I can okay. see that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a little. Well, it's not Robert Eggers, and it's not no. Ari Aster, and it's no. not Julia Ducournau, it's no. not Jordan Peele. I maybe Yorgos Lanthimos. Maybe I yes. feel like they're kind of twin frequency of the same kind of weirdo making movies. You know. Yeah, they're um, some weird. An interesting shit. thing I heard Alex Garland say. He's like, when I meet people, and even the people who work on my movies, he's like, I try to make sure they don't see anything I've oh, ever yeah. made before. I've seen that, and it's because I want them to keep this image of me that I'm normal. <laughs> and he was like, because I am normal. And then he did the whole like, well, you know, what's really normal? But yeah, he was like, I don't want them to think that I'm this person. It's just these are the things I come up with, but that I'm a pretty normal person overall so that I don't match the movies. Okay, I buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want me to that's think. That's exactly what a normal person would, would say, say, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he does seem like a pretty grounded person. He is pretty hard on himself. It seems like, and I mean, I think obviously a lot of the greats have been, and that's what makes you cemented on not putting out bullshit. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the Attack on Titans ref- reference is that oh. he said that when you see good shit, it makes you want to step up your level because you're just like, that can be done. I yeah. did like that. And if it can already be done and it's cool, like you can build on that cool with more cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like as a creative, it pushes you to be like, I can't. I can't sleep on it because look what they somebody is making and it's like well as a, you're you're given all this money or whatever or executive power Alex Garland is trusted but like, you got to show people why you're trusted and can't really lack on that and I I mean yeah as a pod I think he's cemented after this episode or we know now that he's he is a big part of all, all three of us really like him yeah. so I mean don't be surprised when the annihilation and ex machina episode yeah, drop for real. I feel like that could be sooner rather than later because I don't want to wait until his next movie to talk about it. Which again. I will. That's what I, the next part I want to say in that same interview he was talking about. He, in within seven days of finishing Men, he's already working on another movie. Attaboy. Boy. Atta boy. And he's gonna take. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. And he's gonna take a pause after that for a little bit. I would too. Civil War is boring. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Damn. Yeah, we'll see. All right. But I mean, I'm there for it. Yeah, I know. I'll see that shit for sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Prejudice zombies. Yeah, let's go. Abraham Lincoln vampire slayer. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see Alex Garland do something like that. That'd be fucking fun. Um, Give him Van Helsing. Overall, though, I'd say we all enjoy this movie, obviously. No, yeah. I I thought this was a really... I think this was a great movie. If I had to rate it, I'd probably give it like four and a half out of five, something like that. Um... I think this is an important movie, like I said. Like I said, I don't know how accessible it is for everybody because of, you know, not even just the subject matter, but, you know, what really happens. If you're listening to this pod, you could probably handle it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that you can. But, uh, no, like like I said, I, I really like movies where it makes you think about things and kind of makes you put yourself in somebody else's shoes or, in this, put yourself in a diff- another gender's shoes. You know what I mean? And I think it was a really cool movie, and I like the way that he executed and told the story he told. They're listening to the pod. Our first one is Titan. Titan is obviously just as disgusting and everything. And, and I think Titan not is not even. No, no, no. It's not even close to yeah. this, but it is. It has its disgusting parts. So I will say we have set the precedent for liking stuff like that. But I will say that I hope more people go and watch Men. I hope um, it does decent at the box office, just so it's not a total loss for A twenty four. But I am glad that they're putting out stuff like this. I think this will have a bigger discourse. Years down the line, I think it'll be better appreciated. Years down the line, um, yeah, I I can't wait for his next project, and it was really fun to talk about this one. Mm-hmm. Nice. So hit all the buttons. Tell us how much you love Alex Garland, and uh, 
We'll catch you next time. Yeah, go buy go buy your uh, ladies some flowers. Treat them right. No apples. No, no. What is it? As you say, no scrumpy. <laughs> no scrumpies. <laughs> Bye. Bye.